Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. And today, we've got a great show for you lined up. We've got Mr. Brad Schmidt on the show, and he is the Inside Nashville columnist for the Tennessean, and he has been covering Nashville for 30 years, and he does something similar to what I want to be doing um, with this podcast, but he does it on paper, so I'm really excited if you get to hear us talk. We talk about all kinds of things happening in Nashville. Um, He is a 10, he's celebrated 10 years sober this year, so we talk about recovery for a little bit. I do this because uh, it's it's been something that's heavy on my heart, and it's something that is big to me. And uh, it's not going to be an everyday show thing, but I happen to have two people on in a row uh, who are both in recovery, and it's something that I want to talk about because I know that there are people out there um, that are curious about it, that are curious about what's going on, and uh, I really just it's a personal decision, something I've done, and it's worked out really well for me so far, and. Um, I wanted to share. I wanted to share what my experiences are because if you're wondering out there, you're wondering if that's something for you. If you need something like that in your life, I wanted to to be a somebody that you could um, you could hear. So um, it's a little tough being that vulnerable on uh, on a podcast, but we did it today. So tell you a little bit about Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. They are amazing. Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. They're a family-owned business nestled in the hills of the Blue Ridge Mountains with over 50 years' experience in raising chickens. They exercise great care in all they do and dedication to providing their chickens with a quality of life and healthy diet that results in a healthier, more delicious chicken for you and your family to enjoy. Try Spring Mountain Farms Chicken today by locating a store or restaurant near you or ordering online. You can do these things at SpringerMountainFarms.com. On the homepage, there's a Find Us tab and you can find any grocery store or any restaurant uh, in the whole area, everywhere that they serve. You can find them all. So you can go make sure you get the best tasting chicken, the best chicken for you every time that you go out. Uh, also, we have an uh, advertisement in the middle of this show for our sponsor, Trust20. They are uh, extending their free audits. So they will come to your restaurant there's 20 criteria that they come in and they will tell you whether or not you're doing everything you possibly can to keep your guests and your staff safe. So while we're all online trying to figure out what to do and just kind of winging it, they will come in and go over the 20 things to help keep your staff safe. It is free, y'all. They will come to your restaurant and help out. If you're a guest and you go to a restaurant, ask them if they're Trust, trust 20 certified. Um, once you become Trust20 certified, they will give you signage and stickers for your door to let your guests know that you are independently certified as a safe place for people to go dine, as safe as we can get it. So check them out, trust20.co. That's trust the number 20.co. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this show. We're going to jump right in and... Um, Check us out on, uh, we are now on iHeartRadio, 
in as well as YouTube. If you go to our website, you can watch a lot of videos. I keep adding videos. You can see Jeremy Lister perform the songs that he sang on the show the other day. And wow, I listened to those again on the airplane the other day, and I just was blown away. That guy's just got the best voice. Um, he's so amazing. Find any of his music on iTunes. And um, that's what we got. Enjoy the show today. All right, with much excitement, I'd like to welcome in Brad Schmidt to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Welcome, Brad. Delicious. I'm excited. <laughs> Brad, you are a columnist for the Tennessean. And I have, have kind of been following you for, I, I don't even know how long. I mean, I used to read the Brad About You uh, section every day. I've been a journalist in Nashville for 30 years. So you're the perfect person to be on the show today. I did a podcast um, yesterday where I talked about kind of Nashville and what's happening in Nashville during this pandemic and how I feel like over four months, our entire city has changed. And um, I want to get into that with you. But first, I want to I want to let people know kind of why I feel like you're the perfect guest for this show. Fantastic. I, I can't wait to hear myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up, I promise. It's going to happen. <laughs> so if you look up on the Tennessean face on the Tennessean page, you look up Brad Schmidt, the Inside Nashville columnist. You say, I love to ask community leaders to tell me intensely personal and funny stories about themselves. Stories of redemption, overcoming, transformation. I want you to find something you didn't know about someone you might know. I've come to appreciate these stories for my own transformation through entering recovery from substance abuse in 2010. Um, through these columns, I hope to inspire more depth and vulnerability in our community. And I read that and I went, that's that's exactly what I'm trying to do with my podcast, but you do a much better job at it than I do. Um, Listen, it's not a contest, man. We're <laughs> there's a lot of room for everybody. Uh, I guess in a roundabout way, I'm saying um, you've inspired me for 30 years to finally pick up a microphone and start talking. Nice. Are you enjoying it? It's been amazing, especially through the pandemic, being at home being able to connect with people on a, yes. um, on a deeper level. When everybody can't be together, I've done almost 60 interviews with people and got to know people deeper than I ever have. That's awesome. That is really awesome. So the question I get asked is, what's the, you know, is there any, do you have a favorite episode or is there a favorite story? And for you, you know, you're saying that you want to teach somebody uh, something about somebody that they already knew, something more in depth. Do you have any of those type of stories to share? What are some things you've learned? Chrissy Haslam was a former first lady, um, uh, Bill Haslam's wife. And uh, she shared with me that her sister died when they were teenage girls in a car crash and how that affected who she is as an adult. And there was a, a, a nice young man named Bill Haslam who helped walk her through that. Oh. Um, so there's the as you said earlier, for us old people, the Paul Harvey rest of the story. Um, you know, that's, that's how those two bonded. It was really over a tragedy. Um, and the, it, it was a story that she shared that some of her closest friends didn't really know about. And so those are the kind of things that I like. Like uh, there's a uh, religious leader, Bishop Walker, uh, Joseph Walker, 
from Mount Zion Church, um, probably the largest African-American church in Nashville. And he was sharing with me how he lost his faith when his first wife died of cancer. And then he ended up going to a secular support group called Gilda's Club um, from old, you know, Gilda Radner and Saturday Night Live died of uh, cancer and her husband, um, the famous comedian actor, whose name I can't remember. Isn't that Willy awesome? Wonka? <laughs> Gene Wilder? Yes. Yes. Wilder? Yeah. Gene Wilder started this charity, uh, uh, started this foundation as a way for people to help uh, others walk through what he walked through, which was the, you know, the tragedy of losing somebody to cancer. Anyway, so Bishop Walker was sharing with me, you know, he actually did lose his faith for a little while. And like, he sat in a circle, like a recovery circle, like I do, with a bunch of people who didn't know him very well at the start. And for once in his life, he wasn't Bishop Walker. He was Joe. Wow. And uh, how he then refound and rediscovered his faith through this secular group. Um, those are the kind of wonderful, oh gosh, just wonderful stories that, that people are sharing with me. So that's what I, I get some, you know, incredible energy and uh, spiritual good juju from that. Do you ever finish kind of doing an article about somebody like that where you feel like they almost had a realization during as you're going through interviewing somebody they they say something and then they kind of go you can kind of see it in their eyes where they realize at that moment that they just said something out loud to you that they really hadn't told anybody else and after the interview they kind of went I felt good like thank you um, I have been blessed with that, and I'm sure you have too, but I've been blessed with that several, several times. Um, there's a radio, um, syndicated radio personality in Nashville named Bobby Bones oh, yeah. on the side of things, and he lost his mom to a drug overdose, and we talked for an hour and a half, and he's, he's talked about this a little bit on the air, and he shared some, um, but we got really in-depth about it, and he joked afterward, like, how much do I owe you for that therapy session? Um, so people do, I think that people do find a real catharsis in talking to a stranger or to a third party, um, that they're able to present like a therapist, honestly, or a counselor or a church person, you know, um, um, a church pastor or somebody like that. When you get somebody who's removed from the situation, then you can really process your narrative without fear of, oh man, my cousin's gonna judge me if I say it this certain way, or my friend. Uh, other folks are so invested in you and your story that they might be bringing stuff from the past in. And we, you and me, I'm including you in this, Brandon. I'm honored. We give people a safe space, right, to share and to really open up. And that is, for me in my recovery and my job, that is the biggest gift of all. One more quick story on that front. I have a story coming up about a young man who was badly, badly burned in an industrial accident. And uh, his mother was taking care of him. And um, some of the details, oof, it's, it's rough. You know, it's real rough and raw stuff. And she called me, um, and he, we were on the phone for 45 minutes. And she called me the next day to say, I want you to know that you gave my boy a gift. 
um, that he has been in therapy, but he processed it with you in a different way than he ever has. And he said more about it than he has in the past. And she said, he stood up taller yesterday, like a literal weight had been lifted off of him. That he had gotten just a little bit more freedom from the trauma of that event by processing it with a third party who happened to be me. And that's just, that's just like the most amazing moment. And you know what, when you put that article out there and you share that young man's story, the amount of people that are gonna read that and are gonna understand a new perspective mm-hmm. because of you doing that work, I mean, there's, that's kind, of the, that's kind of what this podcast has evolved into is identifying through other people's stories, just stories of hope and like transformation and, and overcoming adversity. Yeah. Uh, similar story for me with Shane Nasby. Okay. Tell me about Shane. Shane is the owner at Honey Fire in Bellevue. Mm, delicious. Delicious. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. And he came on the show and we were talking and I said, tell me about your tattoos. Because he's just got sleeves right he's in his pictures pictures just got all these tattoos and he's like well i said are there stories tell me the thing behind him and he went through that one side of his arm is all of the pain like all of the the things that he tried that didn't work and like that signifies falling down and the hmm. other side is all the joy and like coming back and I'm, I'm probably butchering the exact story but paraphrasing he went over like not succeeding in business and relationships and just everything and like how it all plays out on his arms. And after the, after the podcast, he goes, man, you know, I've never told anybody that story before, but I just, it was good. I've had, cause I had more people reach out to me after the podcast came out. They were like, dude, I had no idea. And, um, beautiful. It's just, it was just really cool. It's a cool moment for me too. You know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The biggest gift is for us. It, it, it is. It's almost like in, in recovery, helping other people is the real thing that helps you stay sober, you know? Right. And I think what's maybe important for somebody listening to the podcast to know is that, you know, you don't have to be a newspaper columnist or a podcaster to um, do that kind of service for somebody. I think, so to do my job well and to do my recovery well, I've had to learn a couple of principles, which is this. Check all my judgment. Check it 100% uh, before I start the interview. Ask open-ended questions. Be an active listener. You know, kind of really lean in. Ask follow-up questions. And really be present with somebody else. Whether it's, but that can be your friend. It could be your uh, family. It could be um, somebody you're dating. It could be a spouse. It can be, and for me, it has been the checkout person at the grocery store sometimes. Obviously, I have to be a lot quicker than them, but just being really present with people instead of not on my phone or, you know, having a clicker. Look, I'm using visual aids, you know, watching TV while I'm having a conversation. Shutting everything off and really facing the person who's with me and being present with them and really hearing and listening to their story and not giving any advice if not asked for. Unsolicited advice is criticism. Huge principle I learned 
in recovery. And that kind of witnessing, I had a friend call it, just being present for somebody's story, just being present to let them share is a huge, huge gift that anybody can give at any time without a microphone or a newspaper. Uh, that's the that's the true definition of real empathy, of really listening to somebody and genuinely caring what they say without giving advice or without a, well, at least you didn't do this, you know, without giving that kind of a feedback. Uh, Brene Brown does a really good video on YouTube. It's called Empathy Versus Sympathy that I, I just absolutely love. But this has been an amazing time over the last four months because we've had an amazing I, I choose to look at it as a gift, as a gift of forced time alone to spend time to recognize a lot of these things. And like you said, this is a perfect opportunity to do that, to reach out to somebody who I've been talking about it since podcast number one, find some, this is the best time of the world to reconnect with somebody you haven't talked to in a long time and mm -hmm. genuinely lean in. If you have a friend that, isn't doing so great that you know about, but you've been so busy, you just can't really devote that time. Like, pick up the phone. Zoom is free for everybody, for, for two people. Like, video, conference, like, do a 30 minutes a day, call somebody and connect with a friend and just kind of go, how are you? Like, how you doing? Which is a question I've been asking people when they come on the show. I did not ask you, but uh, it's a question I ask people on the show. Like. I don't think that there's a more valid question. I mean, you can go with all these deep interview type questions, but how are you is probably the biggest question you can ask somebody right now. Exactly. And with, with listening, with the actual interest behind it, instead of, as, a, as you said earlier, as a throwaway. 100%. So mm -hmm. I will ask you that question and we'll pivot here. How... How have you been? How have you made it through? One of my least favorite pandemic words that has come up. It's, uh, Only because it's overused. It is. Oh, is everyone pivoting? Uh, <laughs> I guess so. Um, the answer to that question is uh, pretty good. And, and in ways better than before the pandemic. So first of all, I am getting out a little bit. I'm not quarantining. I'm not that guy. Um, I have met fr uh, friends at uh, outdoor patio restaurants. Uh, I've even been to a few really well-spaced 12-step meetings. Um, I do a lot of online 12-step meetings, um, probably four or five a week. Wow. Uh, so I'm, I feel in a way more connected than I did before. I'm checking in with uh, friends, recovery, and otherwise more as to your point earlier. Um, so I find myself calling, you know, Robert, Kirk, Preston, you know, my boys, um, uh, Rob. Um, you know, I find myself uh, talking to those guys uh, more than I was pre-pandemic. So if anything, I'm more connected and checking in more now than I was then. And in fact, have to turn off my phone sometimes for an hour or two and watch stupid Netflix to sort of clear this. Sure. So I've actually been doing well. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I've been going to the gym um, three, four times a week. Uh, the YMCA in Nashville is doing, I think, a really good job of the distancing, of 
uh, mandating masks in common areas. I feel really safe there. Um, so that's been good for the physical part of, of, of my well-being. So yeah, I'm getting like spiritual and emotional and physical like health in. And because of the pandemic, I think I'm more mindful of all of those things. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like in the exact same boat. I've gone to a few meetings. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm connecting more with people. And I have got now. I don't go to the gym. I go to the per I go to Percy Warner Park and I walk. I go. Ooh, nice. Do that a lot. But so that's good, man. So so you're doing well. And uh, I, I, I might even be doing better <laughs> than before the pandemic, to be honest. Uh, I know that I am. I know that I am. Now, I, I came into the pandemic hard and fast with three months of sobriety. So Ooh. four months of sobriety. So I'm. I know I'm doing it. It gets better every day for me. That's good. Okay. I'm going to share my first year experience and I want you to tell me if anything resonates with you. Okay. And uh, as, as my way of asking how you were doing. Okay. This is another interview technique of mine, by the way, or a check-in technique with my friends too, to try to draw. Because how are you doing? Fine. Hmm. Okay. That was a quick combo. Yeah. Um, so let me share with you that in my first year, I was on a crazy emotional roller coaster where I would literally be laughing hysterically like one hour and sobbing the next. A TV commercial could set me off. Um, a guy offering me a ride to a meeting because I didn't have my driver's license because I was coming off the second DUI when I was in early recovery. Uh, if somebody offered me a ride, I'd be like, thanks, man. And I would hang up my cell phone and start sobbing at the beauty that this guy offered me a ride. Like it so moved me emotionally. And then somebody might share something in the meeting that pissed me off and I'd be like, ah! And, and, and I was super duper insecure with everything I was doing, with what I was doing with my hands, with what the, in meetings, with the jobs I was working. I didn't know whether to call Aunt Barbara because she was kind of pissed at me, but she kind of was also supportive. And I had to overthink every single decision, including what I was having to eat. Uh, and it was a rough, rough, rough first year for me. Um, and I'm wondering how your first year is so far. Um, my first year, is, it's, it's, it is similar in um, that I have a lot of emotions. Uh, I said on the show the other day, I've, the craziest thing, my sister asked me one time, she said, so what is the, the biggest thing you've noticed now being sober? Have you lost like 20 pounds? Are you, are you rich? Like, what do you do with your time? <laughs> um, hey, real quick. If everyone lost 20 pounds and got rich in recovery, everyone <laughs> would stop drinking. <laughs> we could start a whole network here. This would be amazing. Oh, like, we'd be billionaires. <laughs> Uh, so I told her, I said, no, the, the thing that the craziest thing for me is, um, the answer to the question is never, I need a drink. Um, now the answer to the question is how am I going to process this emotion? Learning how to process emotions without having a crutch is, has been unbelievable to me being the spiritual side of everything. I have a lot of guilt you know, I have a lot of um, I have a lot of moments where I wake up in the morning and I think about things I did when I was not sober. I wake up in the morning and go, did I really do those things? Did I really say those things? 
the people that I must have hurt when I, because I'm a big six six, you know, I, I just a big gregarious. I would say things to get a, a reaction out of people, and I would like I would just I I feel this never ending guilt right now. I'm just like I I hope people don't think of me that way because it was truly not who I am in my heart. And over this this past nine months, I've had the most amazing realization. Um, it's almost like I get to be the person I always thought I was. Mm -hmm. I get to be that person again. I get to actually like be the authentic me. And I never have moments now where I go, ah, I, I, don't, I never wake up with a last night I did this. And then, and you know, the level of honesty that I'm learning from people in, in recovery meetings, that's the most amazing thing is um, being vulnerable and being okay with being vulnerable with, with people. Um, I decided to do it over a podcast now, but um, that's been another amazing thing for me. So all, all what you just said, I mean, there's, there's, you're constantly going through all these different emotions. I don't know how to process all of them. Um, I'm trying, I'm reading a lot of books. I'm meditating a lot. I'm walking a lot. I'm um, having deeper, more meaningful conversations with my wife. I'm more present with my children. Uh, more present with my family. I see things clear. My, my sponsor says, you know, the, the fog is lifting. The fog is lifting from you. And um, it's a pretty special, special time for me. And I'm understanding that I am at the tip, very tip beginning of this journey. Uh, but it's a, it's a pretty damn good journey. It's like, I don't know. I don't know how to, to describe the beginning of it, but I know it's, a, I know it's a forever thing. I've mourned the fact that I'm not going to have a glass of, you know, Opus One with a steak ever in my life again. I'm never going to do that. Like, it's just one of those things I've had to mourn and I'm okay with that. For all of the other trade-offs, I am totally good with yeah. drinking Pappy again. Like, yeah, I, I, I did that. I'm done. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm more excited about what's happening currently than any of that could possibly bring. Nice. And the steak tastes better without it anyway. <laughs> It does. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's um, I really related to the guilt part of that. I had sort of forgotten about it. I probably maybe blocked it out, but I did forget about living in total guilt and shame my first year. Yeah. I get waking up going, oh man, the same thing. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I pushed that person away. I can't believe how insulting I was to this person. I can't believe I spent a thousand dollars on shots. Uh, the whole bar i can't believe whatever it is that um i also lived with all these regrets and i had to yeah learn how to block that obsession that's really nasty cycle uh, cycle in my head uh i had to really learn some techniques to just stop that oh my god complete obsession with all the horrible things that i had done and and stop myself from making the big apology tour of 2010 uh, when I got sober, I wanted to literally get on a plane and fly to every person I'd said something crappy to or stole their stuff or did something with their girlfriend or I, whatever it was I wanted to go and apologize for. And luckily I had wiser, older people in recovery going, tap the brakes, boy. Um, there'll be time for all that, but you have to do this work first before you even come close to those things. And so, um, but anyway, I, I really appreciated you sharing that part about this sort of thinking too much about things that I had done wrong in the past. 
Well, you know, and for me, the, the thing, everything changed. Um, we had a meeting not long ago where the uh, topic was acceptance and people get up and share. And I, I kind of had this amazing moment where I went the first time I came here, uh, when I left here, my, all of my perceptions that I thought was going to be what this is, I, I realized like I'm in the right place. Like I need to be in this room and um, I'm amongst people that genuinely care about me probably for the first time in my life. Leaving that first meeting, I, um, it was amazing. And it was one of those moments where I went, okay, this, this, is, this is who I am. I'm, I accepted everything that uh, I was. And it was almost like just this, you know, they say the putting monkeys on your back. It was like, it, I walked out of that meeting and every single monkey that was on my back, like jumped off and stayed away. And I got to walk out of that meeting. I felt like I was floating. Mm, yeah, lighter. For the first time in 25 years, it was okay. Like I was okay for being me. And it was like, nice. wow, this is incredible. Man, you are in some advanced recovery here, Brandon. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're gonna make the other kids jealous. <laughs> no, I... Um, That's great. Good, good for you. Sounds like you're working hard for it. But it's, it's, you know, I think that you can, uh, there's no other way to do it right now. I, 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 that's kind of me in a nutshell. There's nothing I do that's subtle. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you're probably very similar. Did you, did you recognize a bunch of the traits that kind of, what are some of the things that make you, you, um, that you've grown into in your recovery? Some of the things that you were doing back in the day that now that you're, you're sober, have accentuated and now you get to really focus on these things. What have you improved in? Yeah, right. Well, I think you, you said it earlier, actually, you talked about finding the good guy you were before all this. Um, and may I add this, the good guy you were during your drinking too, that you just masked, right? Yes. So I got some beautiful, um, when I went to treatment, uh, I found all these letters and cards that I was sent while I was in rehab and oh my God, funny. Oh God, I have some funny, ridiculously funny friends. I had a very, very nerdy weathercaster friend, scientist who wrote me a two page single copy, uh, single spaced document. It was full of science about addiction and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and at the end he hand writes in, by the way, I'll be coming for Visitor's Day on Sunday, just so that your anticipation isn't too high. It won't be conjugal. <laughs> Which is the name of my upcoming recovery book, It Won't Be Conjugal. <laughs> what to say and not to say to your friends in rehab. Um, which I'm actually seriously thinking about writing that book. The, a great book. What the letters, what those letters and cards showed me and what I've been hearing since is stop doing like before sobriety, Brad, and after sobriety, Brad. You, you did plenty of nice and good things for people while you were drinking. Um, you, you were a thoughtful guy. You sent birthday cards now and again. You did things for people. You would help them move, which I freaking hate helping people. Don't you hate helping people? <laughs> it's a form of life. My back hurts. 
here's 200 bucks, get two men in a truck. Um, but I do it. And you know, like, like you were that guy, you would bring things to the, to the birthday party for the potluck. You would, you know, you would occasionally even listen back then and be a good friend back then and be a present friend back then. And, you know, on top of that, there was these occasional episodes where you were a complete jerk. Um, but I loved, um, I guess I just loved realizing I stopped telling myself the lie that you were a crap person before recovery and now you're a better person. You know, I, I think that's a really important thing for me to learn in years four, five, and six um, was like, look, stop creating this narrative that, you know, you were just garbage before and, you know, you're better now. Um, and so that's, that's the, the other, it, it's important. So that was a very long answer to tell you that I have rediscovered the good guy that I was and I'm embracing him. That's good. I know. I feel like I needed to hear that. That was really, um, was, that's very powerful. Was there a year you've gone through 10 years now? Was there a, like, is there a year that's really hard? You know, it's like the seven year itch with, with a marriage, like, is there one particular year that was like really difficult? You know, that's really interesting that you mentioned seven years too. Um, so of course we talked about for me, the first year being a beast beast. And then around seven years, seven, maybe at the beginning of eight, I found myself, I've always had issues with food. I still do. Um, you were talking about how to process your feelings earlier and you're talking about walks in the park and all your, and talking with talking out with people. And, oh, way to go, Mr. Healthy Brandon. la -dee I like a towering ice, ice cream cake and a couple cheeseburgers behind that. Um, I still have addictive behaviors and, um, and one of them is around food. One of them can be around Netflix. I can use Netflix to numb out. Sure. See you later. Sons of Anarchy seasons three and four will be taking up my weekend. Um, so I can do that. Um, so in, in year seven and eight, I found myself really getting out of control with the food. Like, and I started to have feelings like I did right before I got into alcohol rehab. I started to feel, I was having uh, lunch. Uh, um, we have a monthly dude recovery breakfast and we always check in. And during my check-in, I was like, oh my God, I feel as out of control as I did when I was drinking with this food and with emotions. And one of the guys looked at me and goes, I can see the pain all over your face. And when he said that <laughs> in the middle of Midtown Cafe in Nashville, speaking of restaurants, shout out to Randy Rayburn, um, in the middle of Midtown Cafe, I started bawling. I just started sobbing in front of my friends um, because he saw me, like he saw me, he saw me. And that's what recovery friends do. They can really see you. And, and they don't say things with judgment, they, but they reflect it back. Notice the way he said that. I can see the pain all over your face. Not you've got to stop eating or you're doing this wrong or you're using food inappropriately. Yeah. He said, I can see the pain all over your face. I know you're not okay. And that led to a conversation where I went to what I call trauma camp 
I went to uh, a place called The Bridge in, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And I stayed there for a week and um, worked on childhood stuff. So there's roots to all this. Oh, yeah. I think for us, us people recovering from addiction, um, there's some trauma roots to all of this. So I went through a bunch of childhood stuff there and um, was able to, on the other side of that, just feel much better and really start some intense therapy to deal with all that stuff. I found a new fellowship that deals with childhood trauma. Um, which I won't name for seventh tradition uh, purposes, or not seventh, eleventh. I say eleventh. I'm still learning. Oh, your traditions, man! Come on, I'm going to get kicked out of the twelve step club. Um, but anyway, I found a new fellowship that helps deal specifically with processing what happened to you as a kid. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I found a whole new piece. My food issues are still there but I even have some more peace around them and as me as a person and, and the food issues are more in control. Uh, so yes, I did have a seven year blow up. I did have a seven year where I needed to reset and yeah, now I'm just rededicated to, to uh, recovery in, in, in a whole new and more complete way. That's fantastic. I'm, um, you know, sometimes I, if you're like stub your toe and you're like, damn it, like, and it's the most painful moment and you're, and it's like, you get through it right there, but you're like, God, it's just, and you get, it's just there and it just sucks. Where my brain goes when I do that is I go, I'm going to do this again in my life. I just wish I knew when I was going to stub my toe so I could prepare for it. And I know that I'm going to get sick. I know I'm going to break something. I know it's going to happen at some point in my life. I just wish I knew when, so it wasn't such a damn it kind of a moment. I have a feeling like with recovery, I'm going to have those moments. And I just, I'm looking for any insight as to when I can expect them. <laughs> there's, a, there's a fair amount of research that says six, years six through eight okay. are, can be a little tricky. can be a good time to reset. I'll put it, I'll rephrase it positively. Your six through eight are a good time to look what's happening a little closer and reset. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you saying um, all that you did, and I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get your number, and and I think it's always nice to have another friend that's right there because Lord knows I always need people to talk to, and you need more people calling you. So <laughs> I do actually. <laughs> you know what, Brandon? Um, Honestly, I know you're making a joke there, but fresh perspectives are great. It keeps, it keeps the recovery fresh and it keeps, uh, and you'll offer me a perspective that none of my friends do, you yeah. know, and it's, and it's great. And so, yes, I would love to uh, stay connected that way. Well, I'm going to use your favorite word. <laughs> Let's pivot. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do the pivot. That could be like a dance, you know? It's uh, a great time. We're going to take just a moment uh, to hear a word from Trust 20. Reopening your restaurant comes with great responsibility. Are you doing everything you can to keep your staff and guests safe? With Trust 20 certification, you and your guests can feel confident you're doing everything you can to keep everyone safe. Trust 20 is home to the new standard of restaurant safety and consumer comfort. By becoming a Trust 20 certified restaurant, Diners will know the practices you follow to create a safe and healthy environment. Have confidence you're going above and beyond minimal requirements. 
Have comfort knowing your practices have been independently verified. To learn more, visit Trust20.co. That's Trust, the number 20.co. Trust 20 restaurants have access to a suite of resources that include expert-led training in four key areas, individual consultants, communication material and signage. For Nashville Restaurant Radio listeners, now through the end of July, you get free certification when you visit trust20.co and tell them you heard about them on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Trust 20, partnering with you to keep everyone safe. I played yesterday, I played my first episode. I played my first episode ever. March 13th was the first episode. And I used the word pivot three times in the episode. <laughs> I was saying it way before it was way out of, like I was saying it back at the beginning of the pandemic. So way to go, Brandon. Props to you. I'm old school here. <laughs> You're OG. Yeah. You're so I did this podcast yesterday where I talked about March 13th. I replayed my old episode, like I said. March 12th, my heart was 100% dripping Nashville love. We had just had a tornado. Um, We're 10 days past the tornado. There is is so much unity and love. I mean... My sister's a director for Hands on Nashville. Oh, really? Yes. What a wonderful organization. Holy smokes. They're amazing. I mean, she's one of the, the, the top people over there. And I talked to her around the March 10th, 11th, 12th. My birthday is March 8th. So I got to have one of the last like official birthday parties before everything was shut down. Uh, but I talked to her and I said, how, how are things going? And she goes, it's insane. She's like, I haven't stopped working in 10 days. Like I like literally you know, 20 hours a day. It's insane. And she goes, we have too many people volunteering. We have too much stuff. There's lines of people trying to drop off things for other people. Like it's just, I don't know. It's one of those dream scenarios where it's probably the Nashville that you and I grew up. We love it's everything about what makes you want to talk to the Nashville community. And then I'm on an airplane yesterday and I'm reading all the i just you know i follow the socials i'm on you know with these this podcast i'm all over the social media so i'm reading more social media now than i ever have and it's just different i feel like the vibe yes, around but not as many just kind of turned into this there's almost like this vitriol this, this fashion house party and all the people pointing fingers and yelling and boycott this and how do you dare wear a mask don't, like we've been i don't think we've ever been more divisive and um i'm just curious of your opinion on all this well um i appreciate i appreciate both of those observations about post tornado and then about how things are now um here's what i found in my recovery i will always find what i'm looking for or I will always find what I'm seeking out. So if I'm seeking out discord and drama, I'm going to find it. But if I'm seeking out people who are doing well and who are loving and compassionate and concerned about their neighbors, I'm going to find that too. I'll bet if you talk to your sister, there are still people volunteering and there are still people doing great things for the people in Nashville. 
there are people who are doing good things there and are there are people showing up for hands-on national projects now not as many that's a thing. I'll, I'll i'll buy into that but that's what i'm saying like what am i looking at what am i focusing on you know i i work almost every saturday morning work i volunteer almost every saturday morning for a food distribution uh outfit called one generation away um christian base what i love about them is no questions asked you don't have to qualify. If you want food because of the pandemic, you drive up, pop open your trunk, and we're going to put food in that trunk. We're not going to ask if you're documented. We're not going to ask what your income is. If it's a brand new Mercedes Benz and you're wearing a $5,000 suit, food is going in your trunk. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody does any criminal background check. If you want or need food, you come some Saturdays, there are too many volunteers. Some Saturdays, I'm working like a dog because only 30 or 40 of us have shown up and I'm sprinting with the shopping cart to the cars and unloading it real fast because I got to go back. And, and, and it, as you know, Nashville is rather warm in the summer. Yes. And um, I've had to sit in a shade for 10 minutes with a bottle of water, hoping that I don't pass out or throw up. So um, in both scenarios, though, when there aren't that many people there, I'm looking like, look at these people who did show up and it, like me who are working extra hard to make up for our shortage of volunteers today. I just, I think that's a blessing and a beautiful thing. I just, and I also concentrate on these people need food and I'm here helping and it's wonderful. Uh, the, the thank yous that we get um, are inconsistent, but man, somebody who got their trunk filled up and they roll down both of their, this has happened several times. They they'll roll down both of the windows and they'll just shout, thank you and wave out the window or God bless you. And it can be in several different languages as they're driving away. And I, if we weren't so busy, I would just stop and start bawling because yeah. you know, what we did that day made a huge difference for them. So I hear what you're saying, Brandon. Uh, I also, in recovery, am trying to watch big sweeping phrases like Nashville's divided or we're not nearly as nice as we were X months ago or Nashville is the kindest city in the world. Are we? I don't know. Um, but I do know that uh, another recovery thing, the one person I can control is me. And it's not going to do me any good to concentrate on who's not here for the volunteer effort. It's not going to do me any good to focus on, oh gosh, hands-on Nashville isn't getting people like they used to. It's not going to do me any good to see two of my best friends fighting over a political issue or, you know, a preference or so-and-so is terrible for our nation or is great for our nation. None of that um, does me any good. So I really try to stay out of that and focus on what's going right or well. And luckily with my job in the Tennessee and I can do that. Like you choose who you put on your show and you choose who you give a microphone to, right? And you choose who you give a platform to. I do. And so as long as you and I and others are shining a spotlight on positive, beautiful stories of transformation and love and redemption, uh, then I feel like we're we're doing great. That's a that's a beautiful answer. 
it's a beautiful answer that answers the question through your eyes. And the question that I posed on the podcast yesterday was, I said, I had John Miller. I don't know if you know who John G. Miller is. He wrote a book called The Question Behind the Question. Okay. Read it. You should go read it. It's great. You would totally get it. It's probably elementary to you. Uh, but it is about personal accountability and not asking incorrect questions. So incorrect questions being, how come they never, how come, why don't they, when is somebody going to train me? Why are, it's, 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 play, it's victim thinking and it's placing blame across other people. And so I, I went through this, I said, I'm so frustrated with people's perspectives out there and how come people keep posting about this Nash party and how come people are throwing people under the bus? And I kind of thought like, okay, that's not the right question to ask. The question that I need to ask doesn't come in front of my keyboard. In, in this particular case, it did come in front of a microphone, but the question comes in front of a mirror and it's what can I do to make Nashville a great place. What can I do to make my community better? And mm -hmm. the only person that can answer that question is me. And if I keep waiting, if I keep throwing this question out there for other people to change, it's not, it's not going to work. It doesn't matter how many snarky comments I put on a Facebook post, nobody's going to change. And if we all stop and look in the mirror, and if we can all stop and go, I'm going to do things different and I'm going to lead by example, which is exactly what you just said. You said, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to look for the beauty. I was just in Riverside, California, and there's so much trash. It was amazing how much trash was around the interstate. Just, just, there's trash everywhere. But the backdrop is this desert and these 10,000 foot mountains. And it's all around Big Bear and there's all this stuff around you. And it was almost like you can drive down the interstate and you can look right next to you and see the trash or you could look around you and see these gigantic, majestic mountains. And you kind of go, what's, what's your take? What do you want to look at? What do you want? Do I want to see the trash? Can I look at the trash? And can I just completely get absorbed at the trash? Or am I going to look at the mountains and, and identify that I want to see beauty? And I think that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and you were right about the leading by example. So is me saying, God, Nashville is sucking right now. Where are the volunteers that were back in March? Um, is that helpful? Or is me posting a picture with my buddies handing out food at the food distribution more helpful? Like which one, which one am I as a third party person going to respond to better? Like, Oh, those guys look like they're having fun or doing something meaningful, passing out food versus oh, I just got yelled at by this Yahoo on social media. Like, I'm going to respond, me personally, I'm going to respond to the, I, and I literally did. It's just like, hey, you want to come out and do food distribution with us? That's how I got started. A friend's like, hey, you want to do this? Uh, and I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Um, as opposed to if Sam would have called, that's my friend who got me involved. If Sam would have called and went, look, the hunger problem is growing exponentially during the pandemic, and you're not doing anything about it. You lazy shit, excuse my language. Um, <laughs> and uh, you should get out there and do something. I would hang up the phone probably and be like angry and, and probably not do anything. But I sure as heck went out there and had fun with him. Volunteering. He, uh, he approached me the right way, right? 
Sure. And so we can do the same thing. Well, I think that you and I are unique in the sense that we have a platform. I mean, you know, I, I think that there's a couple different ways. That's why I proposed the question. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you what to do, but I would like for you to look in the mirror. If every single person out there stops pointing, turns the finger back around to themselves, right. says, hmm, what can I do? It's just, I wrote a blog about kind of the civil rights movement. I said, what can I do to stop racism? It's not everybody else. Mm -hmm. It's me. Mm -hmm. Look in the mirror and start with what I see first. Mm -hmm. And from there, I can know what to do. But if every single person out there says today says, you know what? It's good stuff. I'm going to go look in the mirror and I'm going to start with myself. I'm going to stop pointing fingers. I'm going to stop being a victim. I'm just going to identify where I can be better. And I'm just going to make that change. That's the answer to the world's problems. <laughs> right. If and you said we have a platform. Everybody has a platform. True. Everybody has social media. Everybody has a friend. Everybody has a platform. Sam, I didn't get out there to do the food distribution because I saw something on a platform. It's because Sam called me on the phone. You know, it, it was, it's a one on, I mean, everybody, everybody has a platform for sure. So that's a, uh, that's, that's, that's good. So your, your feelings, um, so your feelings about Nashville are, you choose to see the positives. You're yeah. looking for the rainbow when it's raining. <laughs> I mean, that sounds a little Pollyannish, but that's, that is in fact the case, yes. Um, now, I'm a human being, so I can get caught up. I'll, I'll read 50 articles about, you know, whatever, let's say Congress fighting over stimulus or something crappy happening. You know, I can get caught up in that. So I, I'm a human being. I'm not like, you know, but I can adjust pretty quickly. And I can make sure that what I'm doing stays on the positive and healthy side. Okay, so let's adjust. Like that's how I used a, a different word. Let's adjust pivot. the conversation. <laughs> okay, pivot, pivot. Uh, let's adjust the conversation. And I will ask you, well, I feel like it's important for Nashville Restaurant Radio that we at some point talk about restaurants. <laughs> Fantastic. One of my favorite topics. It's like, now I can expense this. We've talked about restaurants. Now I can expense this. That's hilarious. I say that all the time. <laughs> it's like, now I can expense it. We've officially talked about restaurants. It's work-related. Uh, right. We are in a crazy time. Restaurants are at 50%. Bars are closed. We're supposed to be closing at 10 o'clock PM. You probably over your 30 years have met some people who work in restaurants or uh, own restaurants, sure. restaurants, right? A few of those people. Say that again. I said, you, you've met a few of those people. Oh yes. Many billions. Yeah. Um, what is your take on how, our local leadership is responding to what's happening in our, to our local businesses and in particular restaurants. Well, I'm going to cop out on you a little bit. My take is I don't really have one because I'm not an expert. I mean, again, go back. 
I, I have learned to own what I know and disown what I don't. Or, and, and I don't know. I'm glad I'm not the health director. I'm glad I'm not Dr. Alex Yahungir. I'm glad I'm not Mayor Cooper. I have no idea what's right and wrong. I do know that I have a lot of empathy for restaurant workers and for restaurant owners because, you know, that $600 stimulus, people were, a lot of folks were making more money sitting at home, particularly in the restaurant industry, than they would have if they would have gone back to work. And that's a tough decision to make, right? Um, for everybody. Don't, I don't know. All I do know is I do feel like I'm glad that Nashville, in terms of restaurant and bars, has erred on the side of cautious. Um, what's that? I mean, like, have we? Well, when it's when it's enforced, right? And then we have all these pictures of all the downtown, you know, huge. I mean, yeah, this downtown is just a, a shit yeah. show right now. Yeah. I, so I don't get, I don't get it. I, I do appreciate that it is a really weird and fine line to walk. And I'm really glad I'm not the one doing it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a lot of the people listening to this show are restaurant owners or restaurant workers, people that work in the industry. And uh, I don't know. I, mean, I just, I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm not asking that question with my own agenda, looking to start an argument. I'm looking for answers. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Well, I'll tell you where I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable sitting outside on a patio, like at Martin's Barbecue, or all names of like. I'm really comfortable at Urban Grub on 12 South because they literally have dividers between the tables, and go. all the staff is wearing masks, and they have hand sanitizer on every table. I'm comfortable at these places that are, you know, taking um, coronavirus seriously. I think there are a lot of national places that are doing a really, really good job with that. And as Mary has said repeatedly, if I'm not comfortable in a place, I turn around and walk out. I went to a recovery house. It's not just restaurants, or, but we're talking about restaurants. But I remember I went to a recovery clubhouse and my buddy and I were gonna to go to a meeting and everybody was congregated outside without masks on, really close together. And we call each other from the car like, I'm gonna do it. No, we'll we'll have a meeting on the phone on the way home, but we're not going into where it's not safe. But I think there are many, many, many national restaurants who are doing it right, and who are doing it safely. There are, I think. And I, for one, I don't know if it's right or wrong, am choosing to patronize them. I am, I am going into the, I, I've also have a Grubhub DoorDash bill that is ridiculous. So I'm trying to support national restaurants that way too. Well, good. So um, I agree with you. I think that we need to be at least ordering to go food. We need to be supporting our locally owned and operated restaurants. Um, right. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm advocating not ordering takeout from Red Lobster. Well, okay, so you know what? So let me tell you how I've wrestled with that too. And, and I will say that 80% of my ordering out and dining in has been from locally owned restaurants. But you know who works at Chewy's? Nashvillians. Now look, um, that's, that's different. Is that, is that, that's not local? Wait a minute. 
and the chicka chicka boom boom sauce. Come on, man. Chicka, the boom enchiladas are fantastic. Woo! Nothing better. Girl. Anyway, what I'm saying is I want to give tips to there are Nashvillians working at Chewy's and Red Lobster and Olive Garden and all the other national chains. So I don't totally cut them out of my personal dining because they are national. And are you also, and people are going to think I'm making a ridiculous amount of money at the Tennessean. I am not. Um, but I am tipping 30, 40% for the whole time during the pandemic. I've been hearing on 12 South that customers are tipping 50%. That's so I appreciate that extra effort to really try to help the, the service staff. I, I completely agree with, um, we did a whole episode on tipping um, a few weeks ago, and I kind of had a little bit of a rant on tipping for point, pointless tipping is what I called it. Um, okay, go ahead. I, no, I just believe that tipping should be something that you do because somebody provided excellent service. Right, but not today. <laughs> not today in a pandemic, you tip no matter what. There's no, oh, well, they, the drinks took like, no, they're shorts. Like the, the, everybody tips big right now, and you should. Right. More talking about the place that you walk in and, like, you know, and you order a cup of coffee or something and, or a sandwich, and they flip the little screen over and they go, well, you want to leave a tip? And you go, you're just going to make the sandwich and call my name, and I'm going <laughs> to grab the sandwich. <laughs> 20% surcharge now because you took the order. <laughs> like you're not part of the 213. Like why am I leaving 20 to 25% to somebody for taking an order? That's kind of, and I think a lot of people out there are like, I, I, did something happen that I missed? Why am I tipping I you. arbitrary things? So it's more that uh, I think. I totally, I totally hear you. I want people, I want to, I want to bring service back. I want people to go above and beyond and do stuff that's abnormal and amazing because somebody wants to reward them for, for really, truly creating an experience. I believe in tipping for that. Now, also coming to work during a pandemic when you could be at home making eight seventy five a week, I believe in rewarding that too. Um, and nothing against staying at home making eight seventy five a week. I don't know your financial, I don't know anybody's financial situation. If that was available to me, I can't say I wouldn't do something different. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not jumping on one side or the other, but if you did come to work and you were doing your thing, yeah, I'm leaving a ridiculous tip right now, for sure. Everybody that goes out to eat needs to leave ridiculous tips. And I wish I could do it at the grocery store. Like I want to, you know what I mean? Like, thank you, Kroger, Aldi, Publix worker. I would like to give you $10 just for being here because you're working in a dangerous place. You can. Those people. Well, I have, if, if given a chance, like if, you know how those Publix folks are particularly persistent about following you out to your car with your. They won't, they, I don't think they're allowed to accept tips. That well, they're not, but they do. <laughs> Because I've done I've done that several times or a five or ten dollar bill. I'm like, I know it says no tipping, but I really want you to have this. And I would say eighty percent of them take it. Well, you know, where I tip at the grocery store, and I mentioned this in my what's that? As they should. I mean, you're a frontline worker, really, truly. You are dealing with the public all the time. 
and who service. may or may not be wearing masks, and God bless. Well, I, uh, I tip the butcher. Nice. I go, I like center cut fillets. I'm like special, right? So I say, if they only have like the tips out, and I say, hey, can you go in the back and cut? I want like a barrel cut, you know, like a good 10 ounce fillet. And the guy goes, this is what's available. Then I go, okay, I'll choose that. But if the guy goes, yeah, man, no problem. Give me a second. I'll take care of you. That guy gets a five spot because he's going above and beyond and doing something that's taking care of the guest that he didn't have to do. That's I question yeah. where's the butcher that went back and got you the center cut kroger really yep he that does. was a surprise answer i thought you were going to say some like trendy snooty butcher porter road house what's it called porter road butcher yeah i thought you were going to say some local upscale kroger they did that for you that's awesome i live uh i live out in the bellevue area and uh, right off Highway 100 and Temple Road, so yeah. I have Kroger right there. That's my it's my local Kroger, and I, I you know I'm a I'm a points guy. I like to get cheap gas. Uh, it's right there. It's right. Little, easy. Uh, but yeah, if I go pick up steaks or something, I always ask them. Hey, I, if they have the steaks there, I'll just buy what's in the rack. But if they're you know if they don't look great, then I you know I I know the difference between a good piece of meat and not, and I ask for it. And if they give it to me, then I always hook them up. And now. You know, kind of like uh, you kind of train them. Now they know when I come in and ask for, they go, "Yep, no problem, sir." Like there's not even a question now. They just know. Oh. Go ahead and do it. Fantastic. They're like, "Oh, this." I'm going to walk into the Bellevue Kroger meat counter and go, "Give me the Brandon Still treatment." They have no idea. You go, "Give me the gigantic annoying guy treatment." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I love that. So. Um, Brad, we've been on we've been on here for about an hour, and um, I feel like I could talk to you for days. Time limit. Well, I don't have a time limit. Um, kind of the fun thing about a podcast, we talk for three hours if you want. Um, I might have a thing or two to do here. It's my birthday today, Brandon. Yes. Not that for exciting. I'm sharing part of my birthday with you. Uh, I am honored. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. So I say that to say this again. Part of my, I'm a still a recovering codependent. So I feel like, man, I got to get to these text messages. I got to get to those Facebook birthday wishes and totally understand. Respond to them. Recovering codependent people, I still need your love. So if you're listening to this, he'll get with you shortly. It's okay. All the people on Facebook that need your validation that you said. Right, right. Because they're not going to be able to go through their day without me putting a smiley face. Exactly. It's so stupid, isn't it? And you. It is what it is. We're, we're, we're talking to the city here. What do you have coming up? What do you have? Uh, what stories are you working on? What can people, how can people find you, follow you? All of that. Let's get some plugs out there. Well, very kind of you to say so. Honestly, if you Google Brad Schmitz and Tennessean, and Schmidt is S-C-H-M-I-T-T, uh, and Tennessean, you'll find the work. What I have coming up that I'm kind of excited about was fun to do is I think a week from Sunday, August 16th, uh, I asked folks to share with me their pandemic projects. You know, what have you been doing to your house? To I found a woman who learned the Celtic harp during the pandemic. Her son 
took it up for a while and then abandoned it. And she has this expensive harp in her house. And she's like, screw it. I'm going to learn how to play it. And she took online lessons. She worked out these online lessons. Love that. You know, several amazing landscaping projects that people are doing by themselves. Yeah. I several um, kitchen makeovers. Oh my gosh. What's that? What's that one that I really liked? Oh, spice drawer. I found a woman who has the perfect spice drawer. You know, do you have your spices all over the place like I do, like on two different shelves and they're all different containers? Yeah, I have a lazy, lazy Susan that has. Right. They're all mixed in. Yeah. And it's so hard to find. And you're like, where's the paprika? Son of a, where's the, where's the lemon pepper? Ah, I'm making fish and I really want lemon pepper and I have to. She bought 40 uniform glass hexagon shaped jars, got her husband's label maker and put all of this, took the spices out of all those random containers, put them all in uniform, labeled them, alphabetized them and la laying them on the side in a drawer. So she pulls it out and she can immediately find thyme. She can immediately find the rosemary. And the drawer looks super pretty because they're glass jars that are see-through and they have all different colors. That was possibly my favorite. So that Pandemics Project story is coming out uh, August 16th. And then we're gonna have the story of the young man who um, went through a horrible uh, burn uh, industrial accident at work and his recovery and how his mom really helped him walk him through it. How do you find these stories? Do you just have like an idea and you go, oh, that's a great question. Because I honestly don't know the answer. Um, part of it's being in Nashville for 30 years and people will say, hey, I got a friend who and I got a buddy. So a lot of it is word of mouth. A lot of it is direct uh, people pitching stories yeah. um, through email. Brad at Tennessean.com. If you have one of those, Brad at Tennessean, T-E-N-N-E-S-S-E-A-N.com. Um, People will pitch me stories. People who have been featured in my columns will be like, hey, I have a friend who, and it's like, yes, let's get your friend in there. I also have an eye for uh, toward um, diversity and inclusiveness. So I really try to uh, make sure that we include people of color, uh, LGBTQ, um, uh, immigrants. I really try to include the whole, beautiful, you know, array of people that we have here in Nashville in those stories. Um, and so that's been really fun too. So sometimes when I go into one community, then they'll, you know, again, sort of keep saying, hey, we also have this. So we have this woman who's doing this incredible thing for school children or like, oh my gosh, one of my favorite, I don't know what just made me think of this story. One of my favorite stories. There was a police officer who's assigned to the schools and she, I don't know what the right word is. She became interested in the children with special needs in her middle school. She just felt connected to them for some reason and would spend a little more time in that classroom. And, um, and the police do a summer camp for kids every summer in Nashville. Well, there was no, and the kids with special needs oftentimes couldn't attend because they weren't, say, wheelchair accessible, or they didn't have the staff who might be able to handle certain um, special needs. So she, on her own dime, with her friends and donations from friends, staffed and ran her own camp for kids with special needs every summer. 
Wow. Isn't that the greatest story in the world? That's the greatest story in the world. That's it. I, I love that. And uh, gosh, I wish I could remember her name, but she is so freaking awesome. Angel, Officer Angela Booker. Officer Angela Booker. Metro PD. And I just love that story so much. And so that brought me to another police officer story, which brought me to another. So um, stories sort of beget each other, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. What was the name of the place you volunteer at on Saturday mornings? One Generation Away. And if you've inspired people who would like to come and help on Saturday mornings. Can you give any more information about that particular um, charity? If you Google one generation away food or one generation, because there are a couple different one generation away agencies, but one generation away food or one generation away Franklin, Franklin, they have a list of their upcoming distributions. Here's what you need to do to be a volunteer. This is another thing I love about one generation away. Cause remember you can just pull your car up and get food right? As a recipient. If you want to volunteer, here's what you do. Show up. Just show up. No paperwork, no forms, no physicals, no pledges to any religious beliefs. If you, they ask you to be nice. That's it. That's, uh, that, that counts me out. <laughs> Volunteers show up at eight. Some of us show up a little bit earlier and you park your car in volunteer parking. They would ask you to wear a mask. They'll give you gloves and you sort of get in where you fit in. You start like you start bagging cucumbers or you start, you know, unloading uh, lettuce from the truck. It's just, it's wonderful. Just helping, just get in there and help. Mm -hmm. All right. One generation away, uh, Franklin, check him out. Google them. Google Brad Schmidt. He's not the chiropractor in Minnesota. I found <laughs> Is there one? I <laughs> just kidding. There, there, there is a chiropractor somewhere named Brad Schmidt. There's a Brad Schmidt MD. Um, <laughs> if you put, if you type in Nashville after Brad Schmidt, he's the only one that comes up on Google. <laughs> if you don't, that little, you'll find the other ones. Um, so yeah, Google Brad Schmidt. Read his column in the Tennessean. And um, thank you so much for joining us. One thing I do. One thing I like to do for every guest that comes on the show, and I will let you get on to your birthday and replying to everybody on all the socials, which I will be uh, one of those people here shortly. <laughs> what um, I like to give everybody the last word. So to give you the floor, anything you want to say, a final word, anything you want to say to the people of Nashville, the restaurant scene, whoever's listening, your just kind of your final thought your jerry thank you floor is yours take as long as you i've been waiting for this moment for decades do it people of nashville uh i do have a final thought Good. and that's this brandon i want to thank you for including me in your in your podcast and your mission i want to tell you how inspired i am by you creating a safe place for vulnerability and authenticity I want to thank you for sharing your recovery journey, which is a brave thing to do. I want to tell you that um, the more folks who are encouraging vulnerability and creating safe places for it, the more kind and compassionate our community is going to be. And I very much feel like you are part of the solution. And I applaud you and want to encourage you in that. And want to thank you for letting me participate in it. Wow. 
thank you so much. That means a lot to me. For sure. You are an amazing man, and um, I would love to have you back on again. We'll get even deeper. And um, again, thank you uh, for this time on your birthday. And uh, for sure, I appreciate you, man. I literally am going to be waiting for your birthday message on Facebook. What if it's already there? Oh, <laughs> buddy, have a great day. Thanks a lot, Brand. I really do appreciate you. Uh, ditto. Big thank you to Brad Schmidt for coming on Nashville Restaurant Radio and uh, telling a bit about his story. Uh, I know that he's done it before, but it uh, takes a lot for him to come on and do that. If you are somebody out there right now and you heard any of that and you want to know more, you want somebody to talk to, please feel free to send me a direct message. I'm happy to uh, call it you, talk, whatever it might be. And um, we really appreciate everybody out there. We love you, Nashville. Hope you're staying safe. Love you guys. Bye.